This is, if not quite unprecedented, it's not the sort of threat we've seen to shipping in, in two generations. Welcome to The Jolt. It's the 5th of February. I'm your host, Kira Taylor. Later in the episode, we'll explore the impact of disruption to shipping going through the Suez Canal and how this is affecting supply chains and the world of energy. We'll also have a brand new feature, getting your opinion on one of the biggest stories of the week. First, let's take a look at the top climate and energy stories from around the world today. Forest fires in Chile have killed 112 people so far. The fierce blazes have destroyed entire neighbourhoods and hundreds of people are still missing, according to authorities. The worst affected areas are now under curfew, with the military deployed to help. Wildfires occur in the region during the summer, but the blazes have now become Chile's worst disaster since the 2010 earthquake. It follows record temperatures in 2023 that drove fatal fires. At the time, the country's interior minister blamed climate change, saying it should serve as a wake-up call. The UK government is looking to scrap its so-called boiler tax, as manufacturers ramp up prices to cover potential fines handed out for missing targets. Drawn up as part of the country's clean heat strategy, the targets were meant to speed up the phase-out of gas boilers and roll out 600,000 heat pumps by 2028. Manufacturers have a quota for heat pump installations compared to oil and gas boiler installations, with a fine for £3,000 for every installation they fall short by. A government source told the Sunday Times that it's revising the policy and expects manufacturers to reverse price hikes. The city of Paris has voted to hike up parking fees for SUVs as it aims to become bike-friendly. The measure triples fees for cars weighing above 1.6 tonnes to a hefty €18 an hour in some places. It also applies to electric cars weighing in at 2 tonnes or more. 54.5% voted for the measure, while 45.5% rejected it. But turnout was very poor, with less than 6% voting. It marks another Parisian shift in how to get around, joining a low emissions zone and a ban on e-scooter operators. Paris isn't the only place looking into green mobility. The Australian government has proposed emission rules to clean up its car fleet. The fuel efficiency standard sets a cap on the average level of carbon emissions allowed from a manufacturer's overall new car sales. The government's favoured option would come into effect from the 1st of January 2025 and bring Australia in line with US standards by 2028. CEO of the Climate Council, Amanda McKenzie, called the announcement an important step to get on the road to cheaper and cleaner transport. The measures will help Australians run cleaner cars for less money and reduce air pollution, she added. Staying down under, open-cut mines in Australia released more than half of the total methane emissions created by the country's coal mining, according to the Institute for Energy Economics and Financial Analysis. Despite this, abatement measures are rarely used and more needs to be done to incentivise these. This could be done by using waste gas for power production or draining gas before drilling. Methane is a potent greenhouse gas which does significantly more damage than CO2 in the short term. Australia is part of a more than 120 strong coalition of countries aiming to reduce methane emissions by at least 30% on 2020 levels by 2030. And finally, a UK judge has thrown out a case against climate activist Greta Thunberg and four co-defendants. She was arrested at a climate change demonstration in London in October and was facing trial for public order offences. But the judge ruled that the Crown had failed to present enough evidence and said that the protests had been peaceful and non-violent. That's it for the news today, now on to the story of the moment. 
The Suez Canal is a crucial link for one of the world's major shipping routes. In 2022, over 22,000 ships took the shortcut between Europe and Asia. But in recent months, it has become risky to travel by that route, with Houthi rebels based in Yemen targeting ships. The disruption has led to ships taking the far longer route around Africa, impacting delivery times, freight rates and more. I caught up with people working in the shipping sector and experts following the situation to look into the impact and how this could affect the world of energy. John Storpert, Senior Manager for Environment and Trade at the International Chamber of Shipping, explained how unique the situation is. This is, if not quite unprecedented, it's not the sort of threat we've seen to shipping in, in two generations. The last time we faced anything this serious was the tanker wars during the Iran-Iraq war in, in the 1980s. So this is a different scale to, to anything we've experienced recently. The threats are severe. They're using missiles, drones, aggressive approaches by armed skiffs. Obviously, we also saw the use of a helicopter in the incident that started this. So it is a very, very serious threat profile the industry is facing. And that's why you've seen the response you have in terms of some ships diverting. What is the overall impact of this? I'm not sure if you have the numbers on now how many ships are avoiding that route. 430 vessels were diverted at the end of December. 300 of those ships have arrived at their destination. Traffic in the Suez Canal is down by 46%. So it has had quite a profound impact in terms of diversions around the Cape of Good Hope. It should also be observed, though, it's not had a huge economic impact. Goldman Sachs estimated that in terms of global inflation, the, the attacks would have a 0.1% effect by the end of the year and 0.2% in Europe. So I don't think it's quite the doomsday scenario that we've seen in some reports. Added to the fact, of course, that a lot of traffic that is lower risk because of national affiliations that aren't US, UK or Israel is still transiting the Red Sea. John also explained what impacts he's seen. There have been delays. It has affected just-in-time arrivals, as you would anticipate in Europe. There have been reports that car manufacturers have struggled because important components haven't arrived on time. So there, there have been impacts there. There was at one point a rise in the oil price, but that wasn't directly attributable to the, the Houthi action alone. That was also influenced by consumers in China and anticipated demand over the Chinese New Year. John Butler, president of the World Shipping Council, also emphasised the impact that delays have across the entire shipping operation. I think one of the things that's sometimes overlooked, it's not just a question of time, distance, and fuel burn. In the liner sector, and particularly in the container sector, these are networks. We have multiple vessels running on what we call a string or a loop. So in order to provide a weekly service, say between you know a point in, in Asia and a point in Europe, you know, you might have 10 or 12 ships on that string, right? That are It's like a bus route. They stop at predetermined places. And when you interrupt the ability to make those port calls in the order that you have planned, that has knock-on effects throughout that string and also throughout our sort of network of networks of vessels. For instance, a ship might head from Asia through the Suez Canal to the Mediterranean and up to North Europe. Some of these stops might include cargo being taken from one ship and passed on to another. Ships now have to go all the way around, adding a huge amount of time. This means delays and ships forgoing some ports, requiring a big reshuffle of global shipping. However, this is something that can be planned around. 
once folks decided with respect to particular services to go around, then you can really start planning. Okay, we know this is what we're going to do. We know we're going to redirect our vessels. We know we're going to reconfigure our networks. And then you can get into serious planning. And I think we're at the point now where we're beginning to see the, the fruits of that. Both emphasize that the priority is making sure seafarers are not harmed. This is driving decisions to go around the Cape of Good Hope. They also highlighted a rise in freight rates from Asia to Europe. Rates have reportedly surged by 150%, but this is well below the soaring prices seen in 2021 during the post-COVID surge in trade and when the Ever Given became stuck in the Suez Canal. While the increase in costs will trickle down the supply chain, it is unlikely to be a profound rise, said John from the International Chamber of Shipping. So what impact have we seen on the energy market? I put that question to Dan Marks, who leads the Energy and Security Programme at UK Defence and Security Think Tank, the Royal United Services Institute. We are seeing a big impact on shipping and a small impact on energy markets, at least in terms of immediate shock and, and damage. It's been an interesting time. You, you have one of the most important shipping routes on Earth overall and also for, for energy. Your previous blockages, such as with the Ever Given, caused quite a lot of trouble. And the market, especially for gas, is quite tight. So you might have expected you know, quite a big price response, some, some big jitters, but actually it's been relatively muted and that's for a few reasons. I mean, the main one is that despite all the disruption around the world, and it's not just the Red Sea, also the Panama Canal, sea of disruptions from Russia, Ukraine, global economic growth is just poor at the moment. Economic activity is, is quite sluggish and that means that kind of demand for shipping has been relatively muted and demand for energy also, combined with a kind of pretty mild weather and winter and very high storage levels in Europe means that you've got a situation where actually you can absorb a bit of extra shipping cost and the delay. And the delay doesn't make so much difference. Once you've got over the initial delay, you can you just plan everything from there. So it kind of flows resume. From an oil and gas perspective, the impact has been relatively muted. I think it's important to remember that the main impact has been on cargo container ships. That has more of an impact on clean technologies. You see impacts for batteries, for Tesla production, Volvo as well, seeing some production issues. We're already struggling with kind of wind and, and solar and price inflation, and this will just add to that. You may well see an impact there, and I think we'll see that filtering through to bid rounds and things like that, especially if disruption continues. A big difference between container shipping and oil and gas markets is that the latter are huge and deliveries can often be redirected. However, there is only so much uncertainty the market can take. Obviously, there hasn't been a big impact yet, but if disruption goes on for a lot of weeks or for several months, you will start to see prices speak up. And there's also just higher risk. You, know, you don't quite know what's coming on the corner. The gas market in particular is kind of just being chipped away. You've got limited supply from Russia by pipelines. You've got problems with the Panama Canal. Now you've got problems with the Red Sea. None of these are existential at the moment, but they just make that market a bit more brittle and a bit more susceptible should something really bad happen or should there be a kind of unexpected, very cold spell or should economic growth start to really take off. I also spoke to Rene Belletta, visiting fellow at the Think Tank's military science team, about how the situation might evolve. Is it likely to escalate? I'm not sure how they can escalate it more. I mean, they can continue to do more and more attacks. There's less and less shipping going through there now, so there's less and less targets. 
private security companies may start to, to rise in importance against previously with the piracy, where they would uh, send teams on board ships to, uh, to defend them uh, and deter the pirates. I think you could probably potentially see a similar sort of thing with close and weapon systems being deployed and then shipped off on ships going through. So if the public sector then starts to look at how they can respond with the private sector, then there's a solution there, which may deter the Houthis in the long run. But I think the ideal solution is that we uh, come to some form of solution in the Israel-Gaza thing, and therefore that takes away the stimulus for what's going on in the Red Sea at the moment. So a mixed picture of disruptions, potential impacts, and ways for the market to adjust. What impacts are you seeing in your sector? Let us know in the contribution section. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining me on The Jolt. Sam will be back tomorrow with more climate and energy news from around the world. We're also running a poll around one of the top climate stories this week to get you involved in the conversation. The EU executive of the European Commission will propose a 2040 emissions reduction target on Tuesday. According to leaks, it is likely to be a 90% net emissions reduction by 2040. So our question is this, will EU countries support it, yes or no? Let us know your thoughts in the contribution section. Sam and I will look back at the results during our weekly chat on Friday. From this week, you'll only be able to get the jolt for free on Mondays and Fridays. To listen to Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday's episodes, why not become a member of our growing community? We're offering a month free for you to try this out. Check the link in the show notes for more information. And if you can't find it there, just head to foresightmedia.com forward slash onboarding forward slash the jolt. And if you're in the mood for more podcasts, why not take a look at the latest episode of Energy Enablers run by Foresight Editor-in-Chief David Weston. This time around, it's all about energy efficiency. Thanks to everyone at Foresight for helping make the job possible, and shout out to Mute Island for providing the theme music. Until next time, thanks for being a part of the job. <laughs>